Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. For me, I think the Chiefs seem like the smartest bet, and you might be able to get better odds now that they lost to the Raiders. For game spreads and totals, to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you tons of options to wager and more than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your co-host, Matt Moderno, and joined as always by Larry Hughes, the one and only Larry. Uh, the NBA season is over. Your former teammate, LeBron James, is once again king of the NBA. What did you think about the, uh, the end of that series? Well, I think, um, you know, the NBA and the Players Association, they did a great job of keeping the players healthy, putting a good product out there on the court, everybody buying into, you know, the process. And in order to get to, you know, that that final game, you know, that last game to get to the championship, everyone had to buy into the process. So first, I want to shout out the NBA and the Players Association for for going through that process and just happy for, you know, LeBron um, and the Lakers and you know, just the, the organization, obviously, you know, with all the, all the things that they've been through, uh, it's good to have, you know, some, some light, you know, shed, you know, on the city and on the organization um, that they could continue to build from. Media in general is all about the story. And, and I feel like the everything, you know, that happened with the Bryant family, you know, them winning the, the season, or, you know, winning the playoffs overall, I think it probably would have been more of a, a narrative if there hadn't been that sort of COVID break in the middle and it's been several months since, but you know, they did that one for Kobe is, is a pretty cool story. I think to be able to tell. Yeah, man, I think for all of them, I mean, for all of them, a few of those guys have championships and, you know, I know they always get the question of which championship is better, you know, which one was greater. And that's a hard question to, to answer, but I know for sure, man, when you talk about this championship, those guys that are on that team, you know, everybody is involved in that situation you know, you're going to go right to that championship. I mean, that's, that, that one's going to stand out, you know, in everybody's resume of just how hard it was, how different it was uh, to compete and to go through everything that the world was going through at the time. It's a, it's a special deal to win, and you can relate it to something that's happening in history, right? And I think that that's, um, those guys have that now. Yeah, there's been so much about, oh, there's an asterisk next to this championship. Like, I actually think the opposite. It's just all the other factors. Like, you got to give these guys credit. Like, I, I think the Lakers were the best team start to finish this year. Like, it's probably pretty hard to argue that the, that at this point, just the way they, they kind of closed that out. But it's still, like, there was a lot of pressure on them. And, and after that, the second to last game where they kind of 
let things slip a little bit there. That was the game where I, I predicted like a double digit blowout and the Heat just sort of took it to them. Like, so closing that out as strongly as they did, I think that's just a heck of an exclamation point on, hey, we were the best season. We're capping this off with like this convincing performance. I got to think that kind of statement played some, you know, some part of it. Yeah, I mean, and, and not a lot of, of times where you have the best team through the regular season yeah. end up, you know, in the championship game and obviously winning the championship. That doesn't happen too often. I mean, you see what happened with Milwaukee is ran through the regular season with a great record. And then, you know, you can't even get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's that's a feat, man. That's something to be definitely be proud of because you said from training camp that you wanted to be the best team in the NBA. You wanted to go out and you wanted to compete every night and give yourself a chance to win a basketball game. And they did that from, from start to finish. And that's a, that's a great feat. There's none of this Clippers shit where like, Oh, we didn't really care about winning this year. This was a warm up year. Like this was mission number one, win a ring. And they did it. Man, these guys are not putting their bodies through everything that they're putting their bodies through, putting their minds, the mental, the, the amount of stress that goes along with being on a top team you're not going into that with the expectation of, hey, let's just give it this year and figure out, you know, how good we can be and then come back and, and win it the next year. You just don't think in that sort of process because you don't, it's not guaranteed that you'll make it back to that, to that promised land. You know, you may not make it back to the Western Conference Finals or whatever, you know, level that you played at. You may not make it back to that position. So you have to take advantage. So I don't buy any of that, you know, first year, let's get to know each other and then second year let's let's win it I don't, I don't buy any of that you never know who will stay healthy or or any of those things that that have so much impact there's some luck involved here realistically right like you, you have to have healthy luck everybody's got to like click at the right time and yep yep so you mentioned the bucks there a little bit i think that's another thing that makes the lakers run more impressive is this year was like reasonably ripe with upsets you know i, I think denver over the clippers is an upset Everything the Heat did is basically an upset. I can't imagine, as nice as that Heat team actually was, do they beat Boston in Boston if there are true home games? Do they beat Toronto? Like, I just still don't really see them getting as far as they did, as good as a team as they were. But home court advantage, like the Lakers have a big home court advantage, and and they they did what they did without that. I think that's equally impressive. Yeah, man, it just makes you uh, just reevaluate what home court advantage really means. And obviously, like we talked about earlier, I mean, there's a lot of pressure that goes in when you fly into these these cities and you have to go to these arenas and you, you, know, you take a cab drive or you take a bus ride or you go to a restaurant. I mean, it's a little different now, but these are all the comments that you're hearing about how their team is going to beat up on you and how you don't have a chance and what's your mental focus going into those games. So you really eliminated that. And that's when you get a chance to see, you know, just teams compete. And that's was like the beauty of the bubble is we we understand, I understand that we can't have our playoff environments done in a bubble because okay. the amount of revenue that they bring in and just the, I mean, you play the entire season to try to get home court. But it was really a pure brand of basketball when you talk about the the bias that goes into teams going into other arenas, right? I mean, it, it is a fact that referees – they, I mean, people are biased when you go into. Yeah, they're human. They're they're human. So to eliminate that fact, I thought brought a you know just brought a better 
a different element to the actual basketball game and eliminated uh, something that I know that can bother some players as far as to how you have to compete or what's allowed when you go into other teams' arenas. You don't have to name any names here, but did you ever have a teammate where you could just look and be like, oh, shit, that guy is rattled. Like, I can't pass him the ball right now because he just he's not feeling the moment. Uh, just, yeah, a number of teammates, and they're, they're normally are guys that are, you know. Younger, probably. Yeah, the, your younger players are your guys that, you know, have struggled mm. before, right? Okay. But that those things happen, and that's a, a reality when you can look and say, hey, this is a, you know, this is a neutral site. This is a neutral site. No, their fans aren't going to get on you. Our fans aren't, aren't going to cheer you up, but their fans aren't going to get on you, so go out and play basketball. Yeah. That's a different conversation because you have people in the stands. They'll talk about your mom. They'll talk about how much money you make. They'll talk about the 30 seconds that you played at the end of the first quarter. Like, and that stuff bothers you. Sure. And, you know, to eliminate that, man, I just think that that's another thing that the bubble provided and it was good to have. That was literally going to be my next question is you heard all this craziness with Danny Green and his fiance or, or wife. I can't remember which. And they got death threats after he missed that shot. Maybe not to that extreme, but do you have a couple moments that stand out for you as like somebody really crossed the line in, in terms of what a fan said? Like, like for me, I went to the University of Maryland. We hate Duke. While J.J. Redick was there, I was still in high school. The, the things that, that people said to J.J. in that building, like you could never repeat. And obviously he was a, an extreme example as, you know, the face of Duke at the time. But any ones that stand out for you is like, holy shit, I can't believe that left somebody's mouth. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, you know, they curse at you like, I mean, even the fans that are supposed to root for you. I mean, if you do something that they don't like, I mean, you you get cursed out on the court while on the job. You know what I mean? And those, these are fans that are in your arena in the very next play. You're between the legs, behind the back, crossover, and one, and they're cheering for you, right? I mean, it's like you don't know what to expect when you're on both sides of the table. Obviously, if you're at home, then you expect more good than bad. But at the same time, your your fans are expecting you to be great and to be 100 every time as well. So there's a balance on, you know, how they root for you. You know, what sort of equity you've gained uh, with your fans on you know, what sort of, you know, how long your leash is, you know, if you're making mistakes. You know, I got sort of grilled in a meeting in my desk job, you know, yesterday morning, and it, it threw me off for the whole rest of the day. So I, I can't imagine, you know, somebody flicking me off and then saying whatever they're saying about my mom or whatever, and then and then going, you know, going back to work. Yeah, man, you, you've seen it. You've seen guys knock phones out of fan. I mean, you've seen it. So just the thought, I mean, I'm here to tell you that a lot of things that come out of fans' mouths, especially in opposing arenas, are fighting words. Sure. You always hear about certain ones like maybe Utah or Oklahoma City. I would imagine Philly is always at the top of the list. Like it doesn't surprise me too much that that the same couple of arenas are where you see uh, most of those incidents. Yeah. So speaking of Danny Green and the thing that caused him the death threat in the first place, I had to like log off Twitter for two days because I just couldn't take all the LeBron, MJ, you know, MJ wouldn't have passed that ball. Why did LeBron pass that ball? As a as a high basketball IQ player, Larry, was was that the right play for him to kick that ball out to Danny Green, or should he have thrown it up? He should have shot it. I mean, he he should have shot it. The reason why he should have shot the basketball because LeBron has put in an awful lot of work on his basketball game. 
uh, the amount of pride that he takes to go out and compete. And whatever shot LeBron decides to take, there's no consequence for it, right? So if he decides to take that shot, he's not going to be blamed that that's a bad shot, right? Mm -hmm. You expect LeBron to take that shot. Now, can he pass that ball to an open wide, a player that's wide open? Sure. But if I'm looking at Bron and I'm his teammate and that happens and we talk after the game, Bron, shoot the ball, man. Yeah. Shoot the ball. And, and nobody's given a player of his caliber grief in that situation if he does shoot it and miss it, right? I, I got to imagine that he gets a pass from everybody on the team for that one. The big thing about that is it wasn't at the end of the clock. Right. There was still time to rebound the basketball. Mm-hmm. And when you have that much size, you're only down one point. You don't need to shoot the basketball from that far out because right. the longer you shoot the ball, the farther the ball is going to bounce yeah. away from the rim. And that was my problem with it is you had a 12-foot shot that even if you missed it, it's going to roll around on the rim. It's not going to go far away from the rim. You have guys that can rebound the basketball. You're only down one point. You've shown that you can rebound offensive rebound the basketball. So that was my only problem when you talk about strategy is to throw the basketball 30 feet away from the hoop and then – now you can rebound it, but now you're further away from the hoop to get a, to get a good look off. They almost got a little lucky that Danny Green missed as short as he did because at least it put the ball in a position for, for Markeith Morris to get a hand on it. But if it's that long three off the rim, it's probably bouncing all the way back out to the three-point line like you were just saying. And in, in the moment, I was like, all right, that, like Green is so wide open. Like I, I got no issue with it. But the more times I've seen the replay, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he made that exact shot over three people like 10 other times in that game. So either way, like I just, I hate when people boil one play down into like LeBron is not clutch or MJ would have done different. Like you can never like judge in a quick, like rapid, you know, reaction moment like that. It just, you see a guy that wide open. I think sometimes you probably just can't help throwing him the ball. Yeah. You you don't fault that guy. I mean, you're not down three, two. Right. I mean, you're, you're not down in the series where if you miss that shot then right. you're going home. So that I mean, and I'm sure he's computing all these things mm-hmm. as he goes along. I mean, that's the, the type of guy that he is. Um, so I'm sure he understood you know, what was at stake. If there was an elimination shot there, I think Brown would have, would have taken that shot. Last real thing to, to close out the, the NBA season here. Do you think we uh, we start the season with in arenas and regular style of play next year or fans at any point? Like what's, what's your prediction? Oh man, I think we do start with some capacity of fans in the building. And I think we start after the new year. They mentioned Martin Luther King day as sort of a target, which I think is a great idea. And the players association needs at least two months heads, you know, heads up that this is when we're going to start things. So be really interesting to see uh, how that progresses and if they can get the draft off on time, free agency done on time, and just sort of the state of things. But the fact that the NFL has some amount of fans and college football has some amount of fans, I think how things go for them probably dictates that fan piece uh, for, for the NBA too. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's be tough, I think, you know, as far as the, who do you allow in, into the arenas? Are you allowing, you know, obviously – the customers that are paying for the tickets, mm-hmm. obviously players have families, obviously organization, people that work for the organization have, have you know, they have families. So are we excluding those families so we can have paying customers in? Right. So I think that that's one of those things you have to figure out, like what, you know, what's our reasoning? Obviously revenues is, is going to be, our, it's a huge driver, but you know, what is the number that's going to make the, you know, the most sense as far as to 
how many people you can have in our, you know, in a space at one time. And I hope, you know, hopefully, obviously, you know, that the world is, is gaining some traction and, and allowing nice. us to give us some things that can help us to fight COVID-19 and things that are going on. But that's going to be a, a, a tricky situation because we know that the owners need uh, some butts in the seats because, again, they have to pay these players to go out and perform. I'm always curious, too, what the split is in terms of how many fans you need to justify, like, the cost of having multiple concession stands open and having those workers there and the staff. And I can't imagine it's a majority of the seats need to be filled to make a profit on that stuff. But it would be, you know, kind of interesting if somebody did a little deeper dive into, you know, what that takes for them to be beyond break even and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. All right, folks, we're going to transition here for a minute and take a little quick second break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by our fan guest host for the day, Chris LeBron. All right. Welcome back to Believe in Wizards. Joining us right now is Chris LeBron. Chris, what do you got for Larry? Hey, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Larry, big, big fan of yours, been watching for a long, a long time and all that. So I just wanted to wonder, obviously, we're in draft season right now. And just talk to me about, you know, the, your process going through. Because you, right, you were one and done, too, right? You were a one and done player. And that was before one and done was a big thing, right? Now it's kind of like it's kind of the norm. So just talk to me about that process and how you went through everything, dealing with all, you know, interviews and, and you know, going to private workouts. Just talk to me how you handled all that. Um, my process was I was really green to the, the, the entire situation. I was really green. When I went to college, uh, St. Louis University, I had no idea that I would go off to play professional basketball. I had no idea that I would go to school and, and leave after one year. So it all really happened organically for me. Uh, and with that process is people came to me and they, they, you know, obviously saw what I did in college and they said, okay, listen, you have the opportunity to, to be a top 10 pick in the draft. Okay. That's where, that's where it started. My ears perked up. I'm like, okay, all right, let's, let's, let me, let me listen. Cause I had no idea what draft process I had no idea going in. So they told me that I would be a top 10 pick. And with that, it then starts to dwindle down, okay, your top 10 pick, then you have your, obviously, your one through five, and then your five through 10, and then understanding where I fit, fit in, you know, into that bunch. So I was slated anywhere from five to eight was my spot. And it was mm-hmm. Dallas, it was Sacramento, uh, it was Golden State, and then it was Philadelphia. So my process was I was really only going to work out or only going to talk to four teams because – that was my draft status. I wasn't going to go, you know, one through four um, that year. And then I wasn't going to go any lower uh, than 10. So my agent and I discussed the teams that I would work out for. We talked about what the best fits were, uh, my personality, who I was coming from St. Louis, what sort of place I wanted to live, really what I thought about, you know, Dallas, what did I think about Golden State? What did I think about Sacramento? And what did I think about Philadelphia? So those are the teams that I worked out for. First, I went to Philadelphia. I had a great workout. Uh, Larry Brown was was great. I was one of the guys that he kind of, you know, selected and really had communication with the agents. If I'm, you know, if, if I'm there, he's going to, I'm the pick that he wants, right? And they were picking at eight. But during this time, anything can happen. Teams can obviously trade down. They can trade up. They can move. I mean, they can go from eight and not one eight and, you know, go down to 15. But I worked out with, with Philadelphia. It was a great workout. I was able to show everything that I was able to do, handling the basketball, uh, some defensive presence, 
um, and just being a live body. And then it takes me to my draft, my, my draft workout in Golden State. And it was Golden State first, and then it was Sacramento. And I'm from St. Louis. I've never been out West Coast. I went to play college ball uh, against UCLA, but never really did anything out on the West Coast. So I wasn't really interested in going to Golden State or uh, Sacramento. So I had a workout at Golden State. It was okay. I went to Sacramento to work out. They were very high on me because they were picking seven. And um, there were a few other guys there in that draft process. Jason Williams was there, who obviously they, they ended up drafting, and there were a couple other players there. Uh, me being a smart guy, that was a team that I didn't want to go to. I didn't want to go that far west, so I just comped out, you know, in, in mid-workouts. Like, I can't go anymore. So those are some of the games that that are played, you know, obviously with players and organizations of places that a player may not want to go or a place that a player – may be really interested in going. So that was my process is I figured out early on where I was going. And then I just kind of focused in on, on, on those teams and eventually was drafted by uh, the Philadelphia 76ers at, with the number eight pick. Larry's the benefit of going and having a not so great workout in a place that they might, that they're less likely to take you than if you didn't work out. Well, that's, that's the, the hope. If you do it on purpose, right? right. If, if, if you don't, if you don't do the best of your ability on purpose, you would hope that they wouldn't take you. Now, if you're trying to do as best as you can and it's just not working out, then you just don't know. Sure. But my process was I was trying to, I was trying to finagle the situation a little bit to get <laughs> to where I wanted to go. Um, and, and it worked out. How, like, obviously there's a, you know, when, when you're thinking about going out for the draft, are you, do you have like a, a set, like, all right, if I'm top 15, if I'm top 20, my first round, or if I just get drafted, I'm cool with that. Was that, I think, was that a process that you were thinking about? Like, I have to be this, I have to be top five, top 10 in, the, in this, wherever, in order for me to come out or else I'm going to come back for another year and try to, you know, up my status. Yeah. For me, it was top 10. And I, I really, I, I didn't necessarily know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I found out about the lottery and that kind of stuff kind of afterward. I'd always watched the draft and stuff, but I wasn't a huge fan. Like I didn't sit down and just watch the draft and know everything that was going on. But for me, yeah, I, I if I wasn't going top 10, you know, I was 18 years old. So if I wasn't going top 10, then essentially I would just go back to school. Mm-hmm. Or again, if you remember during my year, we, we were also running into the, the possibility of a lockout. Lockout, yeah. So again, if I wasn't, you know, in that top tier of draft picks, then I would go back to school because I wouldn't you know, have the ability to sign any endorsements before my contract kicked in. And really only the top you know, lottery picks were getting any sort of endorsements at that time. So all of that stuff played into my decision on actually leaving, um, even knowing that there could possibly be a lockout and I wouldn't get a chance to play, you know, end up getting, you know, playing later on in the year, but I went into it knowing that there was a possibility that we would not have a season. What do you tell? Cause obviously this, you know, the NBA is so young right now. Right. And you got so many kids that think they all can be in playing the NBA. And, you know, obviously there's only 60 picks, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we get so many underclassmen that, that, you know, that come out and then, you know, unfortunately we see a lot of these guys, they don't get drafted and then they got to take the, that route of, you know, trying to go through the G league or possibly going overseas. What do you tell a kid like that, that, you know, has these aspirations of playing in the NBA and they, you know, they're, they're getting fed like, Oh, you could be a pro. And then 
boom, they don't, you know, they're not getting drafted. Like I've seen this, we've seen, like the the numbers of underclassmen that come out every year is just, it's astronomical. And, you know, it would have been more if we had high school kids coming out, you know, it would have been crazy. So what do you tell someone that, you know, they want to play in the league, but, you know, now they got to take the tougher route of, you know, going through the G League and all that. Well, I, I think there's, there's, the world has gotten so small as far as the basketball game. It's obviously global, right? I mean, everyone is, is, is playing the sport. Um, so there's obviously more kids playing. And then you talk about the NBA and just the 450 that we always like to talk about of, you know, these are the 450 that will be in the league this year. Obviously, you'll have a, a, a few more, you know, here and there. But so there's a lot of people that are playing basketball with limited spots. And if you're talking about playing basketball professionally, if that's your goal, then you have to understand what that means because the game is global and there's other opportunities. There's other leagues that are out there for you to play in professionally to be paid to play the game of basketball. And, and what I'm telling players now is you have to be able to shoot the basketball. It's not a fact that you could run a 40 mile an hour, you know, as fast as you can or, or jump and touch the top of the backboard or all of these different things that go into youth basketball, high school basketball, college basketball, at the end of the day, if you can't make shots, it'll be a struggle for you to find a league to play in, but you have zero chance of playing in the NBA. Zero chance. Now, if we're talking about a prospect that can shoot the basketball, that's people develop at different rates so that you know there's still some development that's happening but they can shoot the they have shown promise that they can shoot the basketball then you want to encourage that player to continue to work continue to put yourself in a position where you can be seen continue to be evaluated by people that make decisions right find events and things to go to where you are evaluated in a manner where they're looking for things that are specific to the basketball game, whether it's a spacer, whether it's a, a stretch four, uh, whether it's a big that can move his feet, get to these situations where you can be seen in a manner that it, it makes sense. Excuse me, summer leagues and pickup games, those things don't get it done. And creating highlight reels, those things don't get it done. It's really being in front of the people that can evaluate you for a specific role. And if you weren't drafted, then you have to enter in the game in a specific role. You can expand from there, but if you're not drafted, you have to really lock in on, on what's specific, what they're looking for, and then that's your way in, in, into the door. But at the end of the day, I encourage everybody that's doing it at this point is to shoot, is to make shots, take shots, and take quality shots. You know, that's the process and that's the name of the game. A good friend of mine, Larry, is a prep basketball coach, and we were just talking about this earlier this week. Or uh, not his, I want to throw his specific team this year under the bus, but he said overall, guys' basketball IQ now is the lowest he can remember seeing it, and it's just lack of development or focus on that at the youth level and, and all the way up, and guys just go out and run and pick up games. I think part of what he said for him is it's less about like the guys come in right away and make shots, but it's are they taking good shots that they could theoretically make and I know with the academy and stuff, is that something you've noticed more is kind of a degradation in basketball, you know, knowledge and stuff? Yeah, well, it just takes the people that know. Um, and you have to, and there's a, there's a, a 80 20 rule that I use, you know, in the basketball space. It's your, your 80% is your, your fundamental development, it's your basketball IQ, uh, it, it's your matching your performance up in the, in, the, in the weight and training room with your performance on the court. 
And then there's that 20% of like the highlight reels and the, you know, all of the fan first stuff that, that, that you need, like you need that 20%. But what I see, you know, is that kids struggle to shoot the basketball. So they grab it and they dribble it. And once you grab the basketball, you dribble, you just mess up all the spacing. Mm-hmm. And we talk about creating plays and making plays. You can't make plays if there's no spacing. And if there's no spacing, you can't make plays. And that's what we equate to not having a basketball IQ. All right. You can have you can have the smartest person on the court and you have four people that can't shoot the basketball. And you're gonna make that one person that's as smart as you can be, he's gonna look bad because he has nowhere to go. Right. And that's all due to floor spacing. And a lot of that is due to people not shooting and spacing and shooting the basketball. Do you think guys are just falling in love with the, you know, obviously social media is just, you know, the explosion of social media obviously is just taking off. Do you think people are certain, certain kids are just falling in love with their ballers life mixtape, their, their overtime mixtape. And they just, you know, we're seeing highlight dunks. We're seeing highlight, but we're not seeing fundamental basketball. Like guys are having, you know, 40 point gains, but you know, they're shooting 20% and their team's losing. Like, I think we, we, I think, you know, in the, today's generation, we fall in love with that, but it's not really good basketball. You think that guys are just falling in love with highlight tapes, and then when they go to college and all that, it doesn't translate, and then that's why you see a lot of guys who are five stars, you know, at struggle in college. No, that, that's completely right. I mean, and that's why I use the 80-20, because 80 is so, is so drastically better than 20 that there's no reason why you wouldn't put more energy into the, into the 80, right? Mm-hmm. With the understanding that you need the ball is life, you need the overtime, uh, you need those rewards for these young people because they put in a crazy amount of work, right? They, mm-hmm. they put in a crazy amount of hours. They, you know, I have third graders that are doing things that I had, <laughs> you know, had, I definitely didn't have the ability to do. And sometimes I'm amazed that they're even thinking of this, these things and, and can, you know, transfer the, you, I can transfer information to them and they can execute. So they need that 20%, you know, to, to keep them going up. It's like, it's like gamifying the situation for them, right? If you can show them in a, a superhero sort of form, you know, in that 20%, then it would hopefully it motivates them to put as much work in that 80%, right? And some of these kids are, they're off balance. Some of these kids are putting way more energy into the 20% and not into the 80%. So you see that. And that's how I, you know, that's how I communicate it to the young people is I just use 80-20, right? Mm-hmm. If you have $100 and somebody said, I'm going to give you 80, or somebody said, I'm going to give you 20, which one do you want? I want the 80 all day. Yeah, so course, that's, that's when your basketball game, if somebody said, I want to give you $100 worth of work, you want the $80 or you want the $20? If somebody takes the $20, <laughs> then you better invite them back every two days just to, you know, just so you can get over on somebody for, oh, yeah, for the for week. Sure, for, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know you played for the Knicks a little bit, and no, I'm, I'm a big time New York Knicks fan. Uh, what do you, you know? Obviously, it's been a struggle. What do you think is the the one main thing that has been the constant struggle for the last, you know, let's say 20 years overall, where only one playoff series win, you know, uh, and you know, just it's just been it's been really bad, you know. So, what do you think has been the mainstay of why they've struggled so much? I think it's the right consistent, the right messaging done in a consistent way, right? So it has to be the right person giving the message and it has to be done over and over and over and over. Uh, when I played with the Knicks uh, for that year and a half, 10 out of the 15 guys were on one-year deals. So there's no way you're, con- you're creating any sort of consistency in, in, in that program, any sort of messaging that's, that's 
that's been given, it's being lost year after year because of the turnover and because mm-hmm. guys aren't bought in because you're bringing in, you're bringing everyone in under one year deals to pacify to the next situation. And I would think that, that guys talk, I mean, players talk. I mean, if there's a situation that's not right, that's not, you know, on the up and up, you know, we're going to talk about it. And I had many conversations with, with guys that I know is like, you know, when I was there, I was the first, I, I wanted to bring a reality camera with me to show <laughs> the fact that you can't have 10 guys on one year deals mm-hmm. and get any sort of success. So I think that that's, you know, those are the things that the Knicks have to fight off, the things that have happened, you know, year after year after year. Uh, and it's an uphill battle for those guys. It is an uphill battle. But people are still going to show up in the stands. People are still going to wear that orange and blue, man. But, yeah, yeah the man. Knicks, I think they have a have a long way to go. And the fact of the matter is they're in the East, so it can be done. Yeah. Like, they're in the East, so it, it can, can be, be done, done like wide yeah. open. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really wide open in the East. So, I shot, I mean, I, I root for those guys, man. I root for those guys to, to always have a good season because I think that having the Knicks and having that light, you know, within the NBA, I mean, it's special when, they, when they're rocking and rolling. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it's been a struggle. Like, but it's like you said, the, the garden's still rocking. Like, and just imagine if they get back to being, you know, even, look at 2012. Like, the garden, I went to a few games and the garden was electric for that season and you no know, unfortunately that's the last time they were good so hopefully we they, they can get back to relevancy yep all right chris well, hey thanks for joining us man hopefully uh you got what you were you were looking to knock out there and got some yeah. good answers yeah thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it and uh you know safe you know, be, be safe be safe out there you too man you too man keep doing what you're doing all right everybody that was our interview with our our latest and greatest fan correspondent. So, uh, Larry, some some different stuff there again too. Uh, we're already you know moving into draft season, so I think we'll have to do uh, some more draft talk over the next couple of weeks here. Oh, it's it's always fun to talk about a uh, draft and bring on a guy like LeBron. You know, we got a guy like LeBron on the show. You know, we we have to have to do it big. So that was good to have him on. Exactly right. I, I got one last draft question for you, real quick, and I just thought about this while we were going through it. Anytime you see a list of draft busts, Michael Olawakandi is always uh, on that list. Is he a guy you had awareness of going into the draft process? Like he's from a small school, the internet wasn't as big yet. Like, did he just kind of come out of nowhere for you guys as other prospects? For sure, for me, he definitely came out of, out of nowhere. Uh, I, I st- you know, even when he played in the league, I still never really understood like his game, like mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he was a big guy. He played some on the post, and this was obviously a different era. But, yeah, I had no idea who Oliver Candy was. Like, we did, like, tons of promo things, you know, as obviously with being in, in the top tier of the draft. And he was never – I didn't see him at any of the of the promo other than we were in a group. Sure. Other than we were in a group. But I didn't see him at any of the, you know, the specific things that they pulled us out to the side to do uh, as far as promos. So I had no idea, you know, what he really brought to the table. You had other big names in that draft, too, of guys that got the hype all year. And then, like, I, I was still fairly young at the, at the time for that draft. Obviously, you were, too. But it, it just – I was like, who the shit is this guy? Like, what, what, who? I'd never yeah, seen yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, we thought Mike – we thought Mike would have went number one. Uh, coming out of Arizona, obviously, they were, were, were hot. And then, you know, just his – you know, his West Coast sort of uh, roots that he had in, in the West Coast, we all thought Mike was going number one. That's Mike Bibby, right? Mike Bibby, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and, and looking back at your draft class, like, 
that makes, you know, there are obviously some years where like, okay, you know, somebody took a shot at somebody, but it, it's not like you guys didn't have a lot of good players come out of that, that lottery. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of those things. That's what the deal with the Clippers, man. I mean, you know, that was like one of their, that was like one of their things is that you never know what they were going to do. You can't, I can't imagine what the comparison is now. If somebody took like uh, the center from Bucknell that nobody had seen all year, like in the lottery as, you know, ahead of Zion or something like it, it's just, it seems that crazy at the time that that just this guy from from such a small school that didn't even really seemingly dominate that much at that level went went that high. It's crazy. Uh, okay, cool. Well, that, as we talked through the draft stuff, that was the uh, that was the first thing that that came to mind for me. So I've been meaning to ask you a little bit about old Mister Oliver Candy, who I think is like the prince of some country and super well off anyway, and didn't really need the NBA money either, and hopefully living yeah. a good life somewhere. Yeah, because I, I, I can't remember the last time I've even seen Oliver Candy. Like, yeah. I don't remember when he stopped playing in the league. Like, <laughs> right. he just, like, kind of disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually guys get brought back for something, and, you know, you see the name yeah. or they bounce around basketball in some way, but he's he's yeah. ghosted. And we were just talking about the draft class, um, and, it, and still no real relation to – I mean, just – because Vince just transitioned out. I mean, he was the last person in our draft class. Like, we're, we're done now. And we were just talking about our class, and he, his name still didn't come up. Although Kenny's name still didn't come up. Uh, you almost feel bad for him. Like, <laughs> Kwame, you kind of get, you know, what, what led to him going as high as he did. And, and the young guys, like, yeah. it was a little tougher to tell competition-wise. But this is a dude that played college basketball, too. So even, yeah. even crazier. Uh, all right, folks, more draft talk to come. Larry, thanks for, for breaking down your experience as always. And uh, we'll, we'll have another guest uh, joining us next week as well. So everybody rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And, and if there's particular things you would be interested in, in hearing from, from us, you know, during the off season here, let us know and, and we'll try to, you know, hit the stuff that, that you guys would find interesting. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done